Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck down here once again at Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, located right here in Pittman, New Jersey. We got the good Dr. Frey with me. Doc, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jason. How about yourself? It feels good to be back after a little bit of a, what, one-week hiatus? Yeah, yeah, we play it off as one week, right. but in reality, <laughs> it, it, it felt like longer yeah. than that, right? Yeah. So, so truth be known, we we typically record these shows every every week, mm-hmm. once a week, right? And, and the last time we were here, we, we recorded two. Yeah. We got two in the book, so so we were able to buy ourselves a, a week yeah. off. But then we didn't do a show right. for a week. So it's been two weeks. It's been two weeks. And actually, uh, not only did it feel great to be back down here, but it felt even better when we came in and saw Brian behind Heck the bar, right? Yeah. yeah. Welcome back. Our yeah. good buddy behind the bar. We're happy to have him back with us. I guess because you kind of alluded to how we recorded the Bryce Harper episode. Yeah. And a lot had changed from the time we finished recording to the time that uh, we released the episode because that kind of came out that he is going to be shut down a little bit longer. And right. I guess that's kind of the drawback to uh, recording them in advance. You're doing the best with the knowledge that you have at that particular time. Yeah. So tonight's episode, you know, we were going to talk about an NL East rival of the Phillies. Right. And to be honest, when I, when I stumbled across this, it, it had nothing to do from a medical perspective. But I, I don't know if you saw the hype around the uh, minor league announcer which is kind of how I even stumbled across this. No, no, I actually don't know this story. Yeah. What's going on? So uh, Steven Strasburg, mm-hmm. right? He's making his kind of return to the mound. Right. And, you know, when I stumbled across, I remember thinking like, man, where has this guy been? Like, right. I kind of forgot about that name for a little bit. Yeah. And the reason why I stumbled across it, this this minor league announcer basically was calling one of his rehab starts uh, down in the minors uh-huh. and just kind of, Blew everything out of proportion, but had a lot of fun with it. Every pitch was like bottom of the ninth World Series, <laughs> and, and, and everything had like a uh, like kind of an analogy to it, and just right. all this fanfare. Right. And this guy went absolutely viral over, it, and everybody was talking about just how he called that like you know inning and a half of Strasburg. But sure, it, it brings a little excitement to the minor league levels when you get a star of that name, right? You of know, of course. But, but that kind of led me into looking at, I had to go back and think about why he hasn't been on the mound. Yeah. You know, and maybe I, a couple of injuries. Well, I was, I was wondering, I think in the, for the sake of time here, we'll kind of skip his injury history going all the way back to, you know, right after he got drafted, right. you know, I wasn't even, I wasn't, I don't even think I, I remembered this far back, but he, he tore his UCL his first year in the big leagues. I do. I actually yeah. remember like he came out in, in that first year, all this hype and all this excitement. Yeah. I was going to say, Mike Trout went in the same no, draft, no, but no, yeah, no. I know he's not a pitcher. Right. Was Mike Trout the same draft? Yeah. No. Yeah. At Strasburg? Yeah. Oh, nine. Yeah. But he was much later. There's probably, I don't know, 23 teams in between that that wish they had drafted Trout instead. But. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, that's incredible. Actually, yeah. I did not yeah. know that. At least according to what I looked up. Yeah. So I, I do remember the other guy, um, and I hate to refer to him as the other guy because that's a terrible yeah. way to do it, but I remember his college coach kind of being frustrated that Strasburg was garnering all this attention, mm-hmm. and they were both really good pitchers. Yeah. And and him and the college coach saying like he's gonna, the other guy's gonna have a better career, and then they came out and then Strasburg immediately, yeah. you know, goes yeah. goes down. And right. That was that's kind of why I remember that. It kind of stuck in my head. 2017, mm-hmm. I think is when it starts to. At least I want to get your opinion on it. Is when right. maybe things start to line up because I mean, he's he's missed time and he's been on the DL just about every year in the right. big leagues. 2017, he starts having nerve issues in his right elbow. Ominous. 2018, he misses time for a cervical neck impingement. Ooh. 2019, though, hey, World Series MVP, led the Nationals to the championship. Everything's going great. Right. 
2020, obviously, there was much bigger things in the world going on. Uh, there was a shortened season to begin with, but he missed more time, nerve issues in his pitching hand. Only made two appearances that year. Tough year. 2021, he comes back, and by mid-July, mm -hmm. he is on the DL, and it announces that he's going to get neurogenic thoracic outlet surgery. But we, you know, we're bringing him up today again. All this fanfare came out. He's making his rehab starts. He's actually slated to possibly make the start this Thursday against the Marlins. So this will be, you know, the first time we've seen him in just about a year. Right. But led to a great conversation of really hoping you can help us out with what this means and what this is. Right. And uh, so what this is, is one of my least favorite topics in <laughs> orthopedics. No, no. <laughs> and, and I say that, you know, tongue in cheek, yeah. um, but, but in, in truth be known, it's sort of a tough entity to quantify and it makes for perfect fodder for this, uh, yeah. for the show, right? Yeah. Like, like, and that's exactly what the show is all about. It is there, it's a very real and very specific entity mm -hmm. and it's kind of tough to pick up, tough to diagnose, mm -hmm. tough to treat, and a little bit tricky to understand, right? Like a um, sports hernia, right? That's one that really throws yeah. people for a loop. Um, and so this is this is one of those, I would say almost falls into that category where it's a little bit of a black box for the for the people who've heard of it, um, but but no one really sure what what the general population, no one's really sure what it is. Yeah. And and then I say it's one of my least favorite topics is because kind of falls between specialties mm -hmm. right it's not it's not truly an orthopedic issue there's a vascular component sometimes cardiothoracic is it um you know spine surgeon is it almost at times plastic surgeon yeah. so it's kind of falls between specialties and whatnot and and uh, i would i would say that i am in no way shape or form the absolute specialist mm -hmm. or the um you know the senior figure on this one but in general what thoracic outlet syndrome is is pinching or disruption of either the vessels or the nerves as they leave a certain area in your neck. So when they're mm -hmm. crossing from this certain particular area in your neck, almost into your chest wall, they get ready to go down the arm. Yeah. There's an area where they can get squeezed and that's considered the thoracic outlet. And I'm going to go off on like a 15 minute thing here, but I'm going to do my best to keep it, to yeah. keep it short. So there are typically, there are three types, right? There's this neurogenic, mm -hmm. where it's more of a nerve issue, something called the brachial plexus getting, which is like a little like highway of nerves that come out of your neck and then they all kind of cross and then they go, go out into your arm and your extremity. So the brachial plexus can be affected mm -hmm. versus there's subclavian artery or subclavian vein mm -hmm. can also get squeezed. And there's three different areas in, within your neck in this, in this thoracic outlet area that, that it can get pinched. There are some strap muscles in your neck, the, the, the scaling muscles. And oftentimes it'll, there's a little triangle angle there between two of them, the, the anterior and the middle scalene, where all of these things come out in this little triangle. So one, they can get pinched or squeezed as they're coming out in that triangle. Number two, they can get pinched or squeezed as they go between your collarbone, your, your clavicle, mm -hmm. and your first rib. There's like a little bit of a space there that they go. Mm -hmm. Or three, it can get pinched a little bit further down underneath what's called your pec minor, one of the muscles right next to something called the coracoid. And in any one of those three areas are like potential pinch points mm -hmm. where those things get squeezed. And it leads to a variety of issues. Yeah. We, we touched a little bit on this history. I mean, when we're going back to 2017, when we first see, started seeing some nerve stuff. Yeah. Was that the beginning of it or, on, uh, I mean, 
gosh. Hard to say, right? That's that's the golden question, yeah. man. Hindsight 2020, maybe yeah. it was. But like, if you start looking through this history of, of injuries, yeah. right? Like, you know, some problems with the ulnar nerve mm-hmm. or then, then, you know, problems at the neck and yeah. numbness and tingling into his hand and all right. of a sudden all, putting which, it all together. Which is all stuff he had on separate years, right? Like for about right. the last five, six years. So the last five, six years, you have all of these symptoms. However, putting the grand picture together, mm-hmm. those are all individual potential symptoms yeah. of thoracic outlet yeah. syndrome. And um, which is one of the reasons why it's so frustrating. Like it present, it can present in so many different ways. Yeah. It can masquerade as other things. Right. And it is a very difficult thing to diagnose and probably more of a, even more difficult to treat. Yeah. And I wonder too, like one of the, the, I wouldn't say uh, knocks because it's it's not a knock, but um, you know one of the unique things about Strasburg has always been his pitching mechanics and his delivery. And I wonder if just the way he throws could he have been leading up to this, or was the way he throw the reasons why he had Tommy John lat strains, oblique strains, right? You know, shoulder inflammations. Yeah, you know, he's this big, tall guy, yeah. big, long, lanky guy. Mm-hmm. Does a lot of the, kind of flinging the ball, so to speak. And, you know, like the, the Tommy John part of the equation yeah. probably has to do somewhat with the way he throws. Right. But I don't think that has anything to do yeah. with his thoracic outlet. Okay. Right. Some of those other issues, right? The pronator strain or yeah. whatnot. Well, yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe because the, the, the pronator strain, then that's yeah. sort of lumped together with the with the the ulnar nerve yeah. and the nerve symptoms. And then in reality, was it really a pronator strain that was doing mm-hmm. that? Or was it really coming from the thoracic outlet? Right. And like you see this, you see this entity, you, th- mm-hmm. you see thoracic outlet syndrome. There are kind of two main versions of it. One is like you see sometimes after an acute injury, there's mm-hmm. one acute injury, car accident or whatnot, right. and someone gets thoracic outlet. And then the other one is um, is repetitive stress. And that's what we see in ball players, yeah. right? right? Because of their throwing motion. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean a poor, doesn't mean poor mechanics, but right. it's this repetitive yeah. stress, this repetitive throwing motion that puts stress across there and you get repetitive injury to the brachial plexus. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that it's associated with like a number of other sort of anatomic anomalies. Yeah. So sometimes people have this one particular, they have an extra muscle that mm-hmm. goes across there. There's one like, kind of culprit muscle that will some, which frequently is, is, is the source of the issue. The textbook answer for, for people who are getting, you know, ready to take their boards and whatnot yeah. is it's often associated with the cervical rib. You have an extra mm-hmm. rib, you know, you have your cervical vertebra and then your thoracic vertebra and, and your ribs come off of your thoracic vertebra. You're not supposed to have any ribs on your cervical vertebra, but if you happen to be born with one extra rib on the cervical vertebra, Mm -hmm. that extra rib can be the one that's pinching that area of the thoracic outlet. There are a few other entities. Mm -hmm. If you've fractured your clavicle or bad AC joint separation, sometimes that's enough to throw off the mechanics to start pushing in that particular triangle to create the Mm -hmm. outlet. And then even more ominous or more worrisome, very rare occasion would be would be you know a tumor actually like a, there's a tumor you can get at the top of your lung some pancreas tumor and it can actually push up and start to impinge upon that that specific area yeah. the, the thoracic outlet. I find that really interesting because uh, I didn't take enough detailed notes, but I know in 2016 he was on the DL for two dislocated ribs. Right. I didn't write down where. Yeah. But he also had a benign tumor removed. Oh, is that right? Um, after the 2019 season oh, oh, i don't know where um i have i 
honestly, Doc, when I was looking at it, I didn't know how it fit in, so I just bypassed it. Right. But that's right, really right. interesting now that you're saying that. I, 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 I'm very curious as yeah. to where the benign tumor was removed yeah. from. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Very interesting. Since there's so much gray area then surrounding the previous injuries and things like that, if we just focus on July of 2021, where mm -hmm. the team, at least the team announced what he had going on and he was going to be getting surgery. Yeah. What did he present as to you, to myself, to his right. staff? What were his symptoms? What was yeah. done to like kind of come to this diagnosis? Great question. Yeah. So, so oftentimes, and again, we talked about the three different kinds: neurogenic versus uh, subclavian or vascular versus subclavian vein versus subclavian artery. Mm -hmm. Right. By far, far and away, yeah. most common neurogenic. Yeah. And to a lesser extent, subclavian vein, and mm -hmm. then to even to a lesser extent, subclavian artery. So, so lots of times it's. It's, it's neurologic type mm -hmm. symptoms yeah. that would almost um, replicate or be fairly similar to if you had a pinched nerve in your neck. Mm -hmm. And typically with pinched nerve in your neck, they follow certain what we call dermatomes, a certain mm -hmm. sort of patterns where the, where the nerves go, right? Yeah. So if you're pinching one, if one particular nerve root is getting pinched, your issues are where that nerve root yeah. eventually winds up. In this particular area, uh, if the pinching is happening here, it tends to be these more sort of broad general type mm -hmm. stuff. So he's probably came in, he probably had heaviness in his arm. He probably had some pain. He probably had numbness and tingling. It may have been in his, in his whole hand. Mm -hmm. It may have been in his thumb, his finger, his index, and his middle finger. It may have been in his, more likely, mm -hmm. to be honest with you, probably in his fourth and fifth mm -hmm. fingers. He may have had some numbness and tingling or pain going down the arm, clumsiness, um, difficulty, pitching more than like right. a few pitches. Like yeah. one of the big things is actually frequently pain, like just going right down the arm, shoulder, back of the shoulder, right down the arm, mm -hmm. um, which is very, very similar to, you know, if someone has a pinch over the neck, it, yeah. it, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons why I said, I hate this one. Yeah. It's, it's just masquerades as other things. It's very difficult as there's aren't great definitive ways to diagnose it all um, yeah. all the time. And yeah, it's a very frustrating one to deal with. Is MRI still the uh, the imaging of choice? So MRI is part of it. Yeah. Um, I think that ultrasound, especially in a vascular scenario, yeah, is part ultrasound. of it. For a while, um, they said EMGs really don't help you at all mm. with this. But then there is another report that EMGs can be helpful with a mm. certain low brachial plexus type. Um, so, so if there are some of the nerves that are a little lower down and then it actually becomes a little more advanced, like, mm -hmm. like some, some higher level stuff, but this is not one of the things where we're like, oh, we'll just get an MRI and that yeah. tells us the answer, right. which um, is usually the theme of our, well, that athlete got that MRI, MRI that night, yeah. you know, yeah. and yeah. And sometimes it's, yeah, let's do the MRI and look for that aberrant muscle. Yeah. Right. And, uh, let, or let's do the MRI and look, there's a, there's a, pretty fairly well-known sort of band of tissue that sometimes goes across there mm -hmm. and look for that band of tissue or do the CT scan actually mm -hmm. sometimes as part yeah. of this looking for making sure there's not a tumor. Right. If there was a fracture there, sometimes you want to do either an x-ray or a CT scan mm -hmm. to see how much fracture callus, how much healing, how big is the bone healing. Right. So it really depends on the scenario, what the best test is going to be. And oftentimes it's more than one test. You're kind of putting the puzzle together. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that you're not the one that typically does this surgery, yeah. but what do you know about like what happens in, in the OR? What, what is the, the outcomes of those surgeries? What, what are we yeah. trying to accomplish? Yeah. So, so um, I actually also, in terms of the diagnosis, yeah. I, I left angiography or, or venography. So the, there are studies where you can put a little bit of dye and watch the blood flow and you can see mm -hmm. it get pinched right there, yeah. right? So that, that's part of the diagnosis process. But before we get to the surgery, yeah. 
typically you're going to try non-operative sure. management, right? Mm -hmm. Shut the, shut the ad. And then we're going to use it more in an athletic mm -hmm. type setting because that's the yeah. focus of our podcast. So shut the athlete down, not throwing, no overhand, no overhead or overhand motions and do some physical therapy, mm -hmm. working on the positioning, trying to t unload that specific right. area, anti-inflammatory, um, TENS unit, yeah. different things to yeah. sort of work on the nerve and unload that particular area so it's no longer getting pinched, getting squeezed. Posture and uh, overall positioning and mechanics have a role here. Yeah. If you can correct those, there's a chance you can correct this particular problem. Without needing the surgery. Without yeah. needing the surgery, mm -hmm. right. How often is that successful? The honest answer is I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I hate to say I don't think it's very successful. But it's always worth a try, yeah. right? Then the next question becomes, all right, so then if that doesn't work, what next? Yeah. And that's where you are right now. Yeah. So what's next is usual, usually surgical intervention. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on what the cause is for that particular individual. In general, it's an incision um, essentially above, above your uh, clavicle. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes you're resecting or removing part of the scalene muscles, mm. which uh, could cause some of the pinching yeah. over there. You're opening, basically opening up the pathway. You're dissecting around the brachial plexus to clear yeah. all the area in the space out. You're basically widening the tunnel mm -hmm. of the whole outlet. So whatever it is that's impinging or pinching and causing these particular issues, you're getting rid of. If it's a cervical rib, you, it's resection of first cervical rib. Mm -hmm. If there's a, a previous fracture there, you're removing the the, the overgrown healing, which yeah. is fracture callus. Right. So so I guess the, the, the surgery is different for different people, depending on whatever the inciting causes, but it's all the same concept. There's even um, an anatomic variation sometimes where um, one of the vessels, instead of going through that triangle between the scaling muscles, goes right through the, mm -hmm. the, the scaling muscle itself. So you have to resect or remove part of the skin muscle yeah. or open it up entirely. But the whole goal is the same. Take the pressure off of the off of those neurovascular structures as they're leaving the neck and going into the chest. He had the surgery like the end of July of 2021. So we're, we're about 11 months, but let's just keep it an even year to make things simple. Sure. I mean, what do we know about the recovery? Is that is that a, an think, adequate amount of time? I think that's pretty too standard. much, too little. No, I yeah. think that's pretty standard again. Um, and, and my my. This is a surgery I've done zero times in my career. I've never <laughs> done it in residency. I've never done it in yeah. fellowship. Um, so, so you know, but far be it for me to call myself the expert. Mm -hmm. But in general, it's a long recovery. This is a slow and long one. And, you know, there are other pitchers who've had this. Yeah. And, and and it's, I think we're seeing it more frequently. I read something the other day where it was, there was a there was a count, like the 23, 23 pitchers who've had this and, you know, mm -hmm. and have had the surgery or, or have been treated for it. And like Matt Harvey and, yeah. and Phil Hughes and a number yeah. of different guys. Uh, Vince Velasquez. Uh, Velasquez oh, yeah. is, yeah. is, is yeah. another one that, right? And so I hate to say that I feel to a certain extent, it's not a, it's not a career ender. Yeah. But it certainly, it seems to me, it's almost always a career impactor. Mm -hmm. I don't think people quite get back mm -hmm. to the same level. And if they do, I think it's infrequent. Yeah. I do think it's, it's, it's a long road back, yeah. a lot of healing. Yeah. Anytime you mess with a nerve or if there's any sort of nerve damage, right? Like that takes a long time to bounce back if it has the right. ability to bounce back at all. Um, you're throwing off mechanics, you're throwing off certain structures that may have been important for that particular mm -hmm. individual, that pitcher going into it. And they, they have to learn to compensate. They have to, you know, 
work on and change their mechanics to try to prevent the same injury from happening again. Yeah. So I think this is pretty commonly kind of your, your, your one year bounce back, one year return. Yeah. And then I feel like when people do get back, they're not 100%. Yeah. Will they eventually get there if they're younger? Maybe, but not yeah. not initially. Yeah. It, you, you kind of already started to answer my next question is that, you know, there was so much hype around Stephen coming Man, out, of, right? uh, out of high school, really. Right. As a matter of fact, I think his MLB debut is, is considered one of the most viewed and most hype, you know, games in yeah. the history of yeah. MLB. Right. And I, I don't know, somebody better than me would have to answer whether or not he's lived up to those expectations. Because yeah. when you go through his history, he's just missed so much time yeah. over the last few years, or sorry, over the course of his career. Yeah. Again, the anomaly would be that 2019 season where he helped him win the World Series. But I mean, my next question was going to be, is this the surgery he's been looking for since 2017 right. to get him back to what made him who he is. What we thought we were going to get when but then, he was coming You were out. kind of saying, you, you know, not to put words in your mouth, I think I heard you say, like, you you don't know if they'll ever be back to true form, but you know, truth of the matter is the last four or five years, he hasn't been himself anyway. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that he'll be better than he was in that mm -hmm. in the in the last few years. Yeah. Um, I don't think he'll be this uh, the Steven Strasburg we all hope for, yeah. you know, Nolan Ryan and you know, Randy Johnson and, you know, this... Um, this, this kind of gunslingers, yeah. guys, fireballs. Right. Also, quick aside, right? Like, you know, that was one of the things that he could throw a ball so hard, and his like mm -hmm. his release point is like right. halfway to the plate right. already. <laughs> but isn't it amazing that nowadays, generally people throw so hard? I don't think it would have the same right. fanfare if he right. was coming out. Right. Yeah, you're probably at this right. Point. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So then, to more specifically answer your question, I think that if he didn't have this particular problem. He had a chance, and he had a good career. Yeah. I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't oh, want to no, diminish that. No. I think, I think he had a really good career. Right. I do. I think if he didn't have this problem, he would have had the career, or potentially had the career we were all hoping right. for. Unfortunately, I don't think this surgery is good enough mm -hmm. to get him to be able to have that now. Even if they kind caught it second, five or six that years. Second ago. phase of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So. The issue is not that, you know, will this surgery get him back to where he was? The issue is, had he ever, if he if he was lucky enough to not have this issue, would yeah. he lived up to the expectations? Right. Which we'll never know. Which we'll never know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd like to think he would have. I'd yeah. like to think he would have. Yeah, and it's crazy too, because I think it was with Dr. Bernardini, it always kind of seems to come up the injury-prone athlete or the injury we buff. We always talk about it. Um, I mean, man, if, 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 there were, if there was ever somebody to talk about with that concept he's on that list he's on that list him joel Embiid, right i mean his injury history is i mean missing time you know for an ankle sprain right which you know I'm not saying it can't happen <laughs> but like a pitcher you just don't really hear those things right you know but i mean he, he's you know strained obliques strained lap muscles right. you know everything yeah yeah it's, yeah. Uh, yeah it's unbelievable but what do you think uh, yeah i think that's another one i got, I got my son's soccer finals yeah. to try to get to it's a big one yeah, I know, yeah. i'm excited well, well, we'll end it here. So before we get head out and close our tab, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods, of course, for hosting us each and every week. And our good friends at Timbal Real Productions. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Welcome back, Brian. <laughs>